Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to, uh, is this our third, Colin? Our third man I, on the post? I, I think it's actually number four. They go that number quick. Number four. Our fourth World Cup podcast is just myself, Adam and Colin here. And um, much like the vanishing spray, we're going to be here for a good time, not for a long time. But um, since we last spoke to you, immediately after England's um, defeat at the hands of Uruguay, uh, England are now out without kicking a ball, thanks to Costa Rica's 1-0 win over Italy on Friday. Um, Colin, what are your thoughts? Well, well, gutted, first of all, for England. Um, yeah. We obviously had Gary Lineker wearing an Italian shirt, didn't we, um, on match of the day. Uh, yeah, shock result. Nobody expected Costa Rica to win, did they? Um, no, but is that, is that maybe a bit naive of us after they'd beaten Uruguay? Well, well, perhaps it is. And, and I cast my mind back to when the World Cup groups were drawn. And Jurgen Klinsmann, obviously coach of USA, had a word with Roy Hodgson, said, look, don't take Costa Rica for granted. And so for a while I thought, well, maybe Costa Rica might be okay. But then when I was looking at the betting, everybody said that they're going to finish fourth. They're the absolute outsiders in in England's group. Um, So I think like everybody, nobody really worried about Costa Rica and now and that's that's not a stupid thing to do because l- l- let's be honest the bookmakers aren't mugs are they no no but now they're the first team to qualify out of that group they're, they're through now aren't they they are indeed yeah oh that's why I yeah, failed to mention that that puts them on six points they've now qualified so um, Tuesday we'll see um, a game where Costa Rica could potentially guarantee top in the group if they could get a result against England Whereas Italy and Uruguay will face off to see who takes the um, remaining place in, in Group D. I, 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 I am. Sh- I think it is. It is the biggest shock of the World Cup still, so far for me. We nearly saw that the the, the day after in the um, the Iran game, but for me, not particularly the, just this result. But I think if you'd asked, uh, Klingsman might have said don't ignore them but I don't think if you'd asked him or pushed him you'd have ever claimed that they would qualify from this group well this is the thing does it put England's current level in perspective if Italy and Uruguay are both getting beaten by Costa Rica you could say let's say something about Italy and Uruguay but then if they're losing to Costa Rica and then we lose to them as well then where does that put England are we doubly worse than Italy and Uruguay or is it just that Costa Rica have been lucky and it's just gone for them? I, I don't know. I think I think the Costa Rica game could actually be quite interesting. I think it's very difficult to take where your where your national team is from the results of of an international of an international tournament because the sample size of games you're looking at is so small. I mean, it's small enough in international football as it is. But 
Well, look at this. Spain were the first team to get get knocked out of the World Cup. Are they the worst team in in Brazil? Not in a long shot. No. But you you wonder how much you wonder how much for Italy, Colin. Perhaps the the weather and as you pointed out, the travelling could could have played a big part in this result. Well, Italy have had a, a nightmare draw in in terms of where they're playing because their base is in in Rio. And they're they're playing all all their games in the northeast. I did think that heat would be an issue. It doesn't seem to be too much of a problem. Um, maybe Germany Ghana, the players looked a little bit knackered, but apart from that, everybody seems to have coped it quite well. But um, yeah, Italy have got. I, I think I calculated about seven and a half thousand miles of, of travel during the group stage. So yeah, that was obviously going to have an effect. But at the end of the day, you'd expect them to be Costa Rica, wouldn't you? Um, and I think, say, you know, using the travel argument would probably be an excuse, perhaps. And um, what do you see happening now? Come, come Tuesday, who do you expect to see the team that's joining Costa Rica out of this group? Because for me at the moment, it's I, I plump for Uruguay. It, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, the draw would take Italy through. It would on, on goals. Goal difference, goal difference yeah. yeah. So just for that reason, because you've got another out, I'd probably say Italy. Um, but I wouldn't be confident. It, you'd wonder how whether whether Suarez has another performance in him like he did against England, whether he was especially motivated and after having a month off, whether he couldn't physically turn it around in the four or so days. But if he's anything like he was against England, I... I, th- I think it's Leo's struggle. Um, and, and, if, and if that happened, Adam, it, that would be, Group D would be the shock of the tournament because people can have a go at England as much as they want, but they are a highly ranked UEFA team. And obviously, so are Italy. So out of Group D, for the two European teams, Italy and England, not to qualify, that would be a major story. It would, it would. And um, I, I did think that before before the tournament and in sort of in the build up that that location and, and weather was um was definitely going to be a factor but i thought that it was something that was perhaps being being overplayed by people but i don't know whether you would think that perhaps the sort of games in manaus games in hot places and european teams playing there whether that sort of is perhaps par for the course possibly so possibly so um I think when you've got when you've got an Italian player claiming after 70 minutes they were having hallucinations in the in the in the opening game, <laughs> is that it doesn't strike me as the kind of thing that you're going to physically going to be able to turn yourself around for in in four days, or well, I suppose the Italians had five days because they played on the Friday. But I, I definitely think that's going to be a factor. Um, another team. Well, I don't think France are through, are they? I think they, they're still. Uh, an outside possibility, but all bar sort of a freakish set of results. France are now in, probably in the next next round, and um, they've been my favourite team in the tournament so far. And, the, and they capped this off with a five-two win against Switzerland. Um, the, the the big takeaway point for this for me was that pretty much every single uh, magazine piece or anything you did that was previewing the World Cup, any crib sheet, cheat sheet. Switzerland, the the go to adjectives probably would have been defensively solid. Well, yeah, so we thought. Yeah. 
And, well, and it could have been so much more as well. France were absolutely rampant in this game. They destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. It was game over in, before before half-time. Um, uh, the best moment probably coming right, right on the stroke of full-time as Benz was sort of an absolutely fantastic goal that was chalked off because it was just just past the um, the full-time whistle. Just, um, just on that, Adam, I mean, it, it, am I missing something here? But is the referee correct to do that? If If there's an attack in play... And you're there, thereabouts, with time expiring. Are you not meant to let the passage of play end, or am I just making that up? Obviously, that happens in rugby. Um, well, no, in rugby, it, play, it plays until the ball goes out of play, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, no, I don't. You're not supposed to let the passage of play end. I think t- too many people sort of get that because that's that's almost the way when you're playing um, playing FIFA on, on your Xbox. Yeah. The game carries on until you get in, until you get in that middle third. That's when the whistle goes. But um, no, the referee can blow his whistle whenever he wants. Okay. Oh, that's that's good to know. So thanks for clarifying. But um, yeah, what did you think of France, Colin? They've they've been exciting. Possibly uh, they must be the joint highest scorers in the tournament now with Holland. Yeah, joint highest scorers with eight goals in in two games with Holland. I'm shocked. I'm shocked, Adam. I've got egg on my face. Um, in in the preview podcast, I I, uh, I cast doubts about France. Um, I said I didn't like them. I didn't trust them because they could be very good, but also very bad. Um, they seem to be very good, um, and and now the the work of Didier Deschamps and possibly the exclusion of Sami Nasri is, is looking like a, a great decision. Um, they, they looked unbeatable. It, looked like a team. It, it looks to me not just the exclusion of Sami Nasri, but it looks as if the how go, air, the air quotes, loss of Frank Ribéry is a blessing in disguise for them. Yeah, well, Ross said this, didn't he, in a previous podcast? He did, yeah. Um, and maybe also it's the fact that, look, if, if everything was fair, France probably shouldn't have qualified for this tournament. Um, they they got in at the last chance saloon, uh, qualifying. They did, but they were in a group with Spain. Agreed. Um, but also, the draw they got, as well, worked out perfectly for them. Um so maybe there's a sort of attitude of, well, maybe perhaps we didn't expect to be here. Um, we've lost Ribery. There's no Nasri. Hey, let's just go for it. Pressure's I off. Just, I just think they're a, they've got players who I think are either fantastic and are revered and as being top top quality, possibly potentially world-class players, or they've got other players that I really like. If you know what I mean, like... For example, they've got players like um, Pogba, Benzema, all mm. players who are very well known. And then they've got, I think, Giroud's a, a great player. I really like um, Debushi from Newcastle and um, Varane is a, a fantastic player. Lloris has p- potentially been yes. the, one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament. I like him. I like him a lot. I, I, I don't think there's, a, there's really a weakness to their team. But it's not saying that they're 
potentially strong enough, but I don't in a in a specific area. But I don't see a, a, I don't see an area that I think. Oh, that's a bit dodgy. Well, I think we'll find out, Adam, whether they're they're the the real package when when they play Ecuador, because if they continue their current form, they're going to beat Ecuador, and for that reason, I wouldn't write off Switzerland at all, because Switzerland you'd expect to beat Honduras. And surely they can't be as leaky as they were against France. So if France did beat Ecuador and Switzerland beat Honduras, then Switzerland would be through. Yeah, I'll, I expect I fully expect Switzerland to go through. I, th- I think the the, um, the set of criteria that you've just just put out out there is um, exactly what will happen. Um, Honduras must surely be out. Are they out? They must be. Um, How many points? Ecuador have three points? Oh, no, I suppose not. Possibly on goal difference. but There must be some bizarre situation where Honduras can still qualify, but it's very unlikely because we can't see them scoring goals. More like they could get more red cards than they could goals in this tournament. Hmm. For me, they're... They're the worst team that I've seen so far. Yeah, um, they haven't got. Any, they don't have any sort of intention of playing any football. Um, they just just slow the game down. They just fight and scrap, and there's just not not much quality there for me. Uh, well, speaking of that, then so we'll move on. So that was Friday's game was on Saturday. Um, the first game on Saturday, which I was. Looking forward to seeing the um the the second match of Argentina, but I thought they were, were a little bit flat in the in the first game. Very much hyped, and they came out against Iran. Now, in our um, man on the post predict series, we had um I think the smallest victory we had for Argentina was predicted a three nil win. Uh, Ross and Tom both plumped for six nil wins, and it took a ninety third minute winner for Leo Messi to um. To salvage all three points for Argentina, um, did, did you see the game, Colin? Yes, I did. I thought it was scintillating. I thought it was a great game. Um, I think I, I, f- I find it very difficult to feel sorry for Iran because I don't particularly. F- I felt like they play very reactive football, and when that happens, that you're opening yourself up to this sort of situation, aren't you? You are, but if you look at some of the Chances that they had, if they had a little bit more luck, they would have scored. That would have put them ahead. And I think you've got a strong case for them having a penalty. I, I, for me, that was a penalty. I, I appreciate, though, that you couldn't really clearly see it until the replays. So I'm not having a go at the ref. No, and also, as they pointed out, um, the, the pundits in the studio pointed out, um, which doesn't stop it from being a, a penalty in my eyes, but Zabaleta does play the ball before the man, but it's fractional. Marginal. I still think that it's a foul. Yeah, it, it was a, it was an error, um, but at the end of the day, Messi scored the goal, and he's he's he saved Argentina there. Um, but it just shows I mean, what. What was he doing? Uh, what are Aran doing? He's only got one foot. Uh, uh, show, show him outside. 
Yeah. And as, as well, I mean, we've got to take into account that before this tournament started, it wasn't just as everybody slated Iran. Um, but you could... Well, Carlos Quiroz slated Iran. Well, yeah. said, said that his players will come from essentially an amateur league and all the hostility and problems that he's, he has sort of arranging anything for them. I, I think that he, he's earned every, every pound of his $2 million salary, isn't he? Yeah, Iran deserve respect. Um, because a, a lot of people still slated them after drawing with Nigeria, saying it was a dull game and Nigeria should have been better. They should have broke Iran down. Hold on. Argentina didn't break Iran down until extra time. Until injury time, should I say. No. They were very defensive, though. But like you said, they did have a, a couple of good chances. Probably, probably more clear-cut chances. I know that... Um, Argentina had twice as many shots, had something in the region of sort of 75% possession. But a player who was being highlighted as a potential weakness for Argentina is in is in the um the the goalkeeper Romero from um from Monaco, I thought was actually pretty good. Yeah. Made some good saves and um sort of proved his doubters wrong with that regard. Here's a question for you, Adam, it's just something that's in my mind. Is that if that would have been England versus Iran, and in injury time, Rooney scored the winner. Um, the reports would have been England win, but they made hard work of it. Um, they should be beating Iran three or four nil, um, and the reports would have been England are poor, England are rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Now it's Argentina who did that instead of England, and the reports seem to be different. It seems to be say, oh, well, plucky Iran. Uh, it was tough for Argentina. They made it difficult for them. But Argentina managed to get it through. And that's all that matters. Move on. Yeah. It, it seems to me that if England get a result like that, that there's more of an autopsy. Um, it's almost as if the England players are damned if they do and damned if they don't, isn't it? Yeah. Is, and is it fair? And maybe does that relate back to England as to, to one of the reasons why there's so much pressure on them? I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, what I do think is interesting is I think it, it, when you look at sort of um, how how narratives are are written in the context of the result and not in what actually happened, but Messi is is writing the narrative of carrying his team to glory as it, if it carries on like this, isn't he? he? He's got he's only played good football probably for five minutes in in a hundred in and he's got himself his team six points. Um, and the, so the second game that I think we we both watched again on on Saturday, which was an absolute cracker, mm. was um, Germany two Ghana two. Well, where do you start? I mean, a little bit of background from me, um, perhaps incorrectly, but I I said watch out for Ghana. They're they're dark horses in this tournament. Um, and when they were two one up, I was getting rather excited because I, <laughs> because I, I I was I was actually getting excited for you because you got a, you put your prediction into the chat and you got a bit a bit of stick. Yeah, I, I stood up for you. <laughs> yes, you did. I, I predicted Ghana win, um, and a couple of the guides. I think it was Tom who said, "Are you mad?" Um, and it was looking okay for a while, but but let's go back to it. I mean, the first half was probably fairly even. Um, but I think that's the best 45 minutes we've seen so far in this tournament. Do you think that, that um, I think the heat really 
played a part in that second half. But um, I think I think that it, it's probably sapping physically and mentally, and because of that, it, the game starts to open up a little bit. I'd agree with that. I mean, I think Germany's first game was in quite clement conditions, so this is the first time it's like bang hit them, um, and I think they felt it um, in the in the second half, and you could see how much space Ghana had at times. When, when Germany were attacking, they just couldn't get back. Um, so yeah, that that I think obviously had an effect. You could see that this is the first time I actually saw both sets of players looking physically just gone. Um, dead on their feet, weren't they? Yeah. Um, I, sp- I suppose the other news was um, was Miroslav closer. He he was he scored the the winner as Co- as Colin said. Uh, Germany went one 0 up through. Um, a goal from um, Goetzer after 51 minutes and then um, two quick goals from Ghana saw them 2-1 up. But um, Joaquin Love rolled the dice, brought on the 36-year-old Miroslav Klose who um, scored a tap-in. Doesn't matter. um, It doesn't matter. (laughs) Scored a tap-in to level it up for his country and at the same time score in his fourth World Cup. And that's not really the headline you take away from that, is it? It's at the same time equaling um, Ronaldo's World Cup record of 15 World Cup goals. Yeah, and and is he now Germany's top scorer as well? Um, he is, yeah. That because I think he was level on World Cup goals with Müller. Yeah, Gerd Müller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll come on to closer, but first of all, just just on Goats's goal, lucky. He didn't know what he was doing. He was you just. You don't think he meant that? You don't think he meant to header it down onto his own knee? Header it with his face onto his <laughs> knee, and it went in. I mean, that—that's when you know you've got to look on your side, don't you? Um, but he was in the right place. So, hey, a goal's a goal. Um, as for closer, you could argue that was inspired. If he hadn't have been there, I don't think it would have been a goal. That's the kind of thing that you just can't teach isn't it that's that's that's, that that striker play that that you you have it or you don't yeah gambling at the far post like that and he he must do that a hundred times and probably only gets anything from it two or three times but that that's why he does it yeah and when he scored 15 goals in world cups you can't argue with that, can you? I mean, you can. You could say he scored a lot of them against Saudi Arabia and actually he's Polish, but... Well, well okay, yeah, if we want to pick <laughs> holes, but... Um, yeah, he, he, he did a job for Germany, didn't he? Um, but, I mean, I, I just want to say how great Ghana were as well. The fi- I was just about to, to put sorry, a comment on a, a similar nature. Um, I, before the tournament... Well, a little bit, bit of context is actually last World Cup. Me and my friend, we traditionally have a um a bet where we have to pick a um a a dark horse team, not necessarily one we think are going to win, but um one the one we think could go the furthest, and um whoever wins has to whoever gets the furthest, the the loser has to buy dinner. Mm-hmm. So um this year I've got Mexico. My friend went with Bosnia, so I'm already looking good. But um, he picked he picked Ghana four years ago, and um, I went for Serbia. And um, 
every time I think that they're not all that. Every time. And then every time you start to watch a couple of their games and they're just infectious. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's, there's something about them. They just get you rooting for them, don't they? There's, there's something about them, and I think a lot of it is pace and strength, that can rip, on the, on, on the, if they play at their best, rip any team apart. And, and that's what they did to Germany. Um, and to be honest, the result could have been oh so different. You know, um, when there were three on two, there was a, a simple cross into Azamoa Jayan, yes. and you just say, knock it now, knock it now. And it just didn't happen. You know, in a similar way to when Rooney passed Sturridge, you know, and it was sort of a fairly easy finish for Sturridge. It was just like one of those. Just, just It was easier. Just knock it across. But he'd obviously, he was going for glory, wasn't he? Um, and at that point, Ghana were 2-1 up. And maybe it's that sort of uh, naivety, perhaps, would you say, that might let Ghana down. Um but I don't want to take anything away from Ghana because I think they've made the most, helped to make one of the most exciting second halves I've seen so far this tournament. It was it was end to end, and the crowd were getting really up for it as well. It was indeed, um, and the, the final game on on Saturday, which I I must admit I had on, but it, it, it start, my interest in it started to wane a little bit. Was um, Nigeria one Bosnia nil? Now that's Bosnia out of the tournament now. <coughs> Who a lot of people fancy to to progress? Not uh, probably not very far because they probably would have had some tough draws getting out once they got out of the group. But people expected them to to pretend, possibly get out, and that's it. That's them home now after after just two games. I think a lot of people were inspired by the story more than anything, don't you, Colin? And theirs is, is a, a fantastic story. Well, you'll have to enlighten me on that, Adam. I'm not familiar with it. You know, well, just the, the the story of Bosnia as a country. Oh, sorry, sorry, with Bosnia. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tale of two strikers. I mean, has Peter Odenwinger even got a club? He he scored for Nigeria, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, I'm not sure where he is these days. Um is he playing anywhere regular? I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, and Edin Dzeko, he, he just had one of those days where he just couldn't score. He did everything but put it in the back of the net. Um, so I think Bosnia have every right to feel a little bit unlucky. Um, cause Dzeko, they also had a. Um, they also had a a goal wrongly. Dzeko had a goal wrongly ruled off, which would have made it one 0 to Bosnia, didn't he, for offside? Yeah. Yeah, he did. It, it was a close one, and again, cameras help you out, don't they? But yeah, it was a wrong decision. So, and that's gonna. I think I think that that was a real hammer blow to them because I think that had they had they taken the lead, it may have had the same effect again on Nigeria as it as the goal did to Bosnia. And um, I think we'd possibly be looking at a different story here. I think the first goal was going to be important, and well, I think I think it is sad. Sad that they're out. It would have been a great story. I think they've got they've got some good good players, but I, I think maybe the the manager was a little bit naive. He made a change in personnel from the first game at left back, and Nigeria just absolutely pummeled them down that right hand side. That it was completely the, the young lad. I, d- I don't know his I don't know his name. I'm not familiar with his 
his work, but um, he was out of his depth, and the manager should have done something to change that up. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really add anything further to that, Adam. The only thing I would say is that from, from what I saw of Dzeko in this tournament, I'm sure that he's going to probably stay at Manchester City, but if somebody did want to take a punt on him as an out-and-out striker, I don't think they'd be going too far wrong in the Premier League. Um, I do I do like him, and I think he's getting better all the time. For for me, Dzeko's a, a, a player of real um, peaks and, tro- and troughs. Mm. I think when when he's good, he's brilliant. Yeah, but when he's bad, I, I think he's 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 quite bad. <laughs> he doesn't give you many of those middling performances. Mm. But for me, that is anyway. Yeah, just just checked up for you, Colin. Apparently, Peter Rodwin is at Stoke, which I was not familiar with. He played fifteen times for them as well. Scored five goals. We probably should have paid attention to that. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Fair play to Odin Vingy. <laughs> um, and then what have we got then today's the, we're at, as of recording the only game that's happened today is um, Belgium 1 Russian 0 um, again you can't have much sympathy for Russia or or Capello can you he, he, he puts out some, some absolutely dour performances yeah I mean uh, the, the one thing that took me from this game I mean is the goal scorer for Belgium because Lukaku was taken off and he was replaced by uh, Divock Origi. I think that's correct. Um, I'm not going to pull you up on your pronunciation there, Colin. You can go for it. Uh, but I just want to check that was the, the, the correct substitution. It was, just checking that, yeah, Lukaku was taken off. Origi came on the 57th minute. Now, I didn't know who this guy was, so I've done a little bit of research on him. He, he's, uh, he, he plays for Lille. Yeah. Um, he's not 19, isn't he? He, he is 19. Uh, across the two, six foot one, for, for all that matters. Um, <laughs> but this season, he has only scored one goal, and that was in a cup competition. And last season, he scored one league goal. Um, now, fair enough, he's, he's only made uh, a handful of appearances, but in the last two seasons for Lille, he's played 21 games and scored one league goal. So, I don't know if he's some sort of young wonder kid, but he's, he's hardly prolific. And, and um, obviously, he came on and replaced with Lukaku, but he's come up with the goods. But it was just... You know, we talk about Belgium, we talk about all these great players that they have and this huge roster of all these players that we know. And then all of a sudden, Origi turns up and I'm like, who's this guy? And he's the one who comes up and delivers. Absolutely. I don't I don't know about you, Colin, but the, I thought some of the punditry was, um, was a bit lazy in this game. I thought that Lukaku was getting an absolute hammering. And I, I thought, unnecessarily so, I thought he was doing... Yeah, he's obviously, whenever a striker's playing up front on his own, we, we know that that's a difficult job. But Shearer particularly was, was hammering him for his movement on BBC, saying he should be should be running in here, look at these players running behind it, past him. But I, I think that Shearer's missing the point then. I think that Belgium are a team full of, of pacey players, players play out wide, and they're looking to get beyond the front man. They're looking for Lukaku to come out and hold the ball and find them. I don't necessarily think that this Belgian team is built around Lukaku scoring all their goals for them. 
Well, I think it's very harsh if if that's the case, Adam. I didn't listen to that commentary, but um, at the end of the day, the guy's only 21. Um, how old was Shearer when he really started to perform? You know, and what's Lukaku done at Everton? You know, in the Premier League, it's a pretty tough league. He's got a pretty much a nearly a, a goal every other game record. So, well, that, and that's probably over t- two seasons as well at West Brom, isn't it? He probably. He probably has what thirty somewhere in the region of thirty Premier League goals, I'd imagine. Uh, well, well, it's 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 more than that, Adam. Uh, he he got seventeen for West Brom, and he got fifteen for Everton, and he only played thirty-one games for for Everton. So, yeah, I don't see how you can argue with Lukaku as a player. He's uh, looks good to no. me. No, and well, and that win is is Belgium through to the next round now. So they're they're starting slowly, but. I think that I still think there's something there for them and it, it could come together. So that's it. That's the games we've had so far. So um, <clears throat> we can have a little bit of a little bit of chat about the World Cup in general now. And as we said, since our last recording, England are out now. There's obviously been a bit of a, a trial by media. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been keeping up, up, up with it, Colin. What are your thoughts? Well, as as a lot of people know, I'm I'm a fan of six oh six and the phone ins, and uh, I've been following a lot of the podcasts as well of, of things that've been happening. Just out of just out of interest, how many people phoned up talking about how it's a disgrace that these people are getting paid millions of pounds? There, there was a f- couple of. There's always a couple. There was a couple of those, but there was one in my house. Okay, <laughs> they didn't phone up, but uh, driving me mad. A lot of people, uh, it was strange. There wasn't actually much um, aggression for Hodgson. Uh, There wasn't really that much aggression for too many of the younger players. There was a fair... I was was shocked that Hodgson was even being questioned in the media. Mm. I I think the challenge is is that I think it's a a real possibility that that Costa Rica could beat England. in the final game and if that's the case then surely there's a strong argument that if you are the England manager on three million pounds a year and you take that team to a World Cup competition and they score no points then do you deserve to be the England manager I'm playing devil's advocate I'm just throwing it out there Um, I'd also say who else is there that that's one of the things I'd say. The other thing would be my, the same the same drama banged already regarding the sample size. You're looking at three uh, games. You wouldn't fire a Premier League manager if they lost their opening three games, would you? No. And you, at the end of the day, you've got to look at his qualification record. He got us qualified, albeit a little bit ugly. Um, me personally, I'd, I'd stick with Roy Hodgson. I think you're absolutely right, Adam. Who else is there? Um, but I just want to point out, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, if you look at where we were in 2010 with the players that we had then under Capello. Don't even look then. Look at what Hodgson, look at what Hodgson had to resort to in 2012. Yes, good point, good point. We, if you, those two Italy games are chalk and cheese for me. Yes, good point. The, the first one in 2012 is a boxer walking into the ring and covering himself up with his gloves and just hoping to survive the round. The second was us. We we matched Italy punch for punch. Agreed. And, yeah. 
and I stand by what I I stand by what I've I've said all along, and I I still maintain if we put in a performance against Costa Rica now, and we we lose the um we lose, but if we put in a performance, I, I'll still be happy with that with the tournament. I'll be disappointed, sure, but I'll I'll be happy with. I'd still see that as progress. I, I agree, and and I think what a lot of people have to to take into account, especially when they listen to pundits and it's and and journalists, they have to sell papers. Martin yeah. Samuel is the biggest culprit of that, coming out with his Hodgson needs to go. Well, yeah, I mean Neil Ashton as well um, came out and said some very negative things about Roy Hodgson as well, and I'm just thinking, well. It's also also funny that Harry Redknapp's been piping up recently, isn't it? Who, who saw that coming? Well, <laughs> dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd concur with that. Um, what I would take from the sort of the fallout of England is that you've got all these experts, all these pundits, they're all saying different things. None of them can agree on what England should do next, which says to me, you don't know. You haven't got an idea. So. You know, all of a sudden, if you listen to the phone-ins, James Milner is England's best player, and he should be—he should have been played in the first game against Italy, and he should be a regular for England. Can you imagine what would have happened to Roy if he'd have played him right from the off? J- James uh, Milner, this James Milner who's so good he can't get into the Manchester City team. Exactly. Uh, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you, I, I think there's possibly some questions you can ask about basic defensive errors. You could possibly have a look at Steven Gerrard and say his performances haven't been great, but at the end of the day, it's only two games. You're looking at him over 180 minutes. At the end of the day, he was still pinging some pretty good passes from what I saw. Um, you just got to stick with Roy, stick with the plan, stick with the project. Um, so, so Colin, for, right. So two, two points. One, who you're you're now England manager? Yeah. Who do you, who do you play in the game in Costa Rica on Tuesday from the players available to you? I'm not talking about just sort of. We take the squad, the the game, this team that started the two. What well, what changes do you make to that? Well, there's two things. I'll answer your question in a second. The first thing is apparently it looks like Roy may be making quite some fundamental changes. Um, as, as using it as a training exercise now um, and maybe as a little bit of a lesson to some of the senior players or the players who played in the first two games as to, right, you're out, some of the other guys are in. I thought it was quite a nice touch from Roy to suggest that he was going to let some of the players who haven't haven't had a chance to make an impact. Yeah, yeah. Because hey, at the end of the day, not not many players... When you look at the, the sort of like the population of football players, not many players get to say they've even been to a World Cup. Even fewer get to say they've played. I, I think he's going to seriously look at who he's who he would probably be looking at for 2016, the European Championships, and give them some of a go. So do you? So so who who would you be playing them? I don't think Leighton Baines deserves his place, so I'd stick Luke Shaw on there. Um, I'd stick with Joe Hart can't disagree with that um, at right back I think you've only got one right back um, so I think you, probably... you could play you could play Phil Jones you could play Phil Jones but I think 
I'd probably stick with Glenn Johnson. And, and do you not think? Do you not think that one of Phil Jones or Smalling surely is going to play? I I I predict to predict that we'll see one of them. Well, I'd I'd predict that you'd put uh, Phil Jones in the place of Phil Jagielka. I I definitely think that, that Phil Jones should be playing that game. I think that it's it's hopeful that we we could be seeing Phil Jones as being the the one of the main centre-backs at Manchester United next season. And I think that he can very much develop and nail down that position. And like you said, when we're looking two years into the future now. I think you've got to look at the players who are definitely going to be starting in the future, and that's Sturridge. So I think you stick with Sturridge. Um, I think there's a strong argument for not playing Rooney. I think there's a strong argument for not playing Welbeck as well. Um, I think if you could find a place for Wilshire. You should do. Um, Lalana, as well, as an argument for a place, I think. Um, apart from that, I can't really think of there's anybody a, that jumps out unless Oxlade Chamberlain is fit. There's a scouse-sized elephant in the room, Colin. Raheem Sterling? No. Steven Gerrard. Well, if you if you if you listen to some of the rumours of what's happened in training. It looks like there's a possibility Lampard would start. Um, however, I, I'm a Lampard fan, but I don't really get that. I don't think you should drop your captain. Unless Roy has already made the decision that he's going to have a conversation with Stephen and say, look, mate, do you want to, do you want to call it a day? But I think that would be a, an unwise do decision. Do you not think that that's, this is exactly the kind of thing we'll talk about? That's perhaps a token gesture to Lampard. Lampard will have then played in three World Cup finals. Yes. Yep, I agree. Well, it would be, yeah, that's that's another thought. Yeah. Um, but what does that mean for Gerrard if he doesn't make the final game? Well, then we'll move on to the next the next point then. So would, would England in the, the next sort of, of two-year plan, what do you do with... Some of these players, I think one of the big questions for me, Steven Gerrard, I would, if I was the England manager, I'd be politely asking him to retire from international football now. Right then, Adam, your name is now Roy Hodgson. Who's your new man? Uh, who's your new captain? My new captain, I, I, I wouldn't name a new captain. What I would change to a, um, a model that's seen in many countries where I would give the captaincy on a game-by-game places to the most capped England player. So that means you're going to hand it over to Wayne Rooney? Yeah, because I think these players, I think the players who who are leaders, are leaders on the pitch, regardless of wearing the captain's armband. You take your biggest fan, Frank Lampard, if he's playing for England, do you not think he's a leader, whether he's captain or not? Oh, I'd say he's a leader, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I believe. I, I believe that w- that giving the, the captaincy to a, one player puts you in a position where you the England manager is only picking 10 players. Yes. I, I think it depends on the person as well, Adam. I think for all his faults, when, when you give the captain's armband to John Terry, he can handle that pressure. D- I, I don't think that Stephen Gerrard for a second can't. But what I would say is, we we don't know that Roy Hodgson doesn't want, doesn't behind closed doors wouldn't have loved to play have played 
a midfield two of Wilshire and Henderson. I agree. Or or in that first game, Milner and Henderson, or Oxley Chamberlain and Henderson, or any combination of those those players. But his hands were tied by that captain's armband. And a bit beyond that, if you don't want to go by that, I think that the next obvious choice is to give it to Joe Hart. Well, Joe Hart seems to be. He seems to have the confidence to deal with it, doesn't he? And he has a passion. Um, I also think that whether he plays, whether he's playing for Man City or not, because he's his informer has dropped or whatever. He's, hmm. he's for me, standout England's number one. Well, yeah, because of the lack of any other competition for him. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, you could argue whether a goalkeeper should be captain. It's not ideal, but but maybe maybe for now it might be best. But um, if if you look at sort of the the John Terry mould and you look at the Joe Hart mould, you know when when you see the lineup and who's singing the national anthem the loudest, it's Joe Hart, and previously it was John Terry. So, you could say, well, maybe there are a couple of nutcases. You know what I mean? And so, maybe that's the reason why Hart may be strong. I think also, as well, a lot will depend on what happens at Chelsea, but Gary Cahill might be in there with a shout as well. Well, possibly, yeah. Um, he's not one that, that springs to mind for me, but that, that, would be, that would be my go-to. What would you do, Colin? I assume you're going to tell me you'd ask Gerard to stay on. I think it would be wise. I think we've got to learn from lessons that uh, have happened in the past when um, Steve McLaren basically threw David Beckham into a ditch. Um, he, t- he took the armband off him and he he dropped him out of the team completely. Um, I, I think you still could do with a Gerrard to do a job to get through qualification. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, it is important to qualify. I mean, it... It is now they've expanded the number of teams. Yeah, and we've cocked it up in the past. So um, it's not it's not any given that England will qualify for 2016. Um, so I think for now, you, you stick with Gerard. He's not the sort of guy who's going to want to give it up, I don't think. But you have to look towards... You have to be looking immediately. We have to immediately look towards the, those European Championships now. And Stephen Gerrard's going to be 36 when we're in France in two years' time. He, he's not going to get any quicker. He's not going to get any more mobile. How old is Perlo? Now, you could argue he's a very different player. He's a one-off. But um, if the captain's armband is a poison chalice, then you probably wouldn't want to put it on one of your flair players. Um, and if the team is going to be... It's going to be quite a young setup for an England team. Then you're going to want to put it on one of the older players. Um... I can see your argument for Rooney, but personally, I think you get quite a lot of public backlash from from some of the fans who who still aren't particularly happy with Rooney. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I think it's a difficult decision for Roy, but I think he'll play it safe if he keeps his job. Greg Dykes, which, which the FAF pointed out, uh, have only made suggestions that he will do. Yep. Then. I don't think he'll make any rash decisions. He doesn't have to make any decisions now. If if a player wants to come out and say, oh, right, I'm going to retire now, you could possibly see that from Frank Lampard. Well, he has to make those decisions by by September, Colin. It's only the 8th of September, isn't it? That's not a long way away until qualif- qualification starts in the grand scheme of things. I think what will happen is that Gerard will still be the captain at the start of the European campaign. 
And I think one of the reasons that I've got confidence in that is because I think he will start the season as captain of Liverpool. The team that finished second in the league. So I think it would be very harsh to take the armband off him. Okay, and just just finally touching on England, um, I just wanted to get your opinion on this because I was actually quite disappointed isn't the word, but um, yesterday there was a a news conference with with Wayne Rooney and Joe Hart, um, something which, again, the, the media were quick to vilify Roy Hodgson for not fronting up but here he, he came out today had his own news conference so that was a, a storm in a teacup but um, Rooney and Joe Hart came in a, out and apologised what, what are they apologising for? I, I think that's a correct distinction I think that's the correct thing to do well, they, they haven't you apologise when you've done something wrong they haven't done something right I, I think if you go to a World Cup competition and you get no points, then, yeah, I think you should be, yeah, apologising. I suppose that's up to up to personal. What well, what are they personal, meant to personal personal preference? What, what do you want? Uh, to... If you look at it, I'm I I I I'm an English citizen. I'm an England fan. Uh, essentially, they are. What, that apology was 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 directed to all of us, but I'm one of those people. Where I didn't feel that. They had any reason to apologise to me? What 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 are they going? What do you want them to say? Not apologise. So what to say? Hey, do you know what we played quite well? And there's there's reasons to be cheerful that we've got zero points. Well, they yeah, they'd they get they get vilified. They could say they're disappointed. I I think it's not a get out, but I think if you don't get through the group stages in England, haven't got through the group stages, I think the guys that you put out there have to basically face the media and face the fans and say, look, we haven't done good enough. If you, for me, they've played against two teams who are, so far they've played two teams who are both in the, the FIFA, FIFA rankings ranked, well, uh, I haven't got the rankings off by hand, but they're both in the top top 10, aren't they, yeah, Colin? Yeah. England are 10th, aren't they? So they must be in the top nine. So I'm going to take a stab in the dark. They're probably in the top eight, which would suggest that that's essentially... If you were to believe the rankings, that's essentially England playing two quarterfinals. I know they're not actually quarterfinals, but that's the sort of the standard of opposition that we've come up against. And we've na- narrowly, narrowly lost both of those games. And one, I'd say, was a good performance. And at least in the other, I'd say that in both, we were, we tried. We did try, but I, I, I still think that yeah, they they have questions to answer, and, and I think they've done the right thing by apologising. I really do. Um, we we refer to what we were mentioning earlier about captaincy. Perhaps it's interesting that Joe Hart and Wayne Rooney were sent out there to face the Lions Den to answer on behalf of England. Is that a sign of who the possible future captains might be? Quite possibly. So, um, <clears throat> right, we'll just just finish up with. Um... Just we've now well by the end of tonight we'll have seen every team in the every team in the tournament twice. We'll be into the last round of group stages. Um, we'll just some quick discussion points. Colin, what's your moment of the World Cup been so far? Um, I haven't had any particular moments. Um, I, th- I think in terms of if you want to say a wonder goal, let's say Tim Cahill. 
um, just because of when it happened so quickly after the, the, the goal that they just conceded. So that stands out for me. Um, but in terms of entertainment value, I'd go back to Ghana versus Germany in the second half. Fair enough for me. It's the the Holland Spain game. Mm. I, I just that just blew me away. I did not see that coming. Well, this is interesting, and obviously we don't want to spend too much time on this. But if we talk about where do England go from here? My word, where do Spain go from here, Adam? You you know Spanish football. You're well, you Spanish. think we've you think we've got it bad? Um, Vincent Del Bosque's already offered his resignation, and they've still got another game to play. Yeah. Um, what what is what is the future? It seems like their their plan, their style, their setup. It's like an era that's come to an end. It's like the end of an empire. Where, where does not just Spain, but does this have an effect on Real Madrid, Barcelona? I'd love to, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what the feeling is in Spain at the moment. Do you know? I, mean, I you'd you'd think that they would just be a lot of just maybe some some quiet disappointment, but you'd have to just like you said, it must feel like the end of an era. But the, you'd hope that there would just be some time reflecting on how good that era was. I know that wouldn't be the case if it was in England. If it was England, we'd be spitting our dummy out and complaining. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that... I don't think that, that Spain are going to be imperious again, especially not immediately. But I think that the days of them being nearly men are over I think that they've got they're absolutely stocked full of young talent I think we've seen them win numerous under 21 competitions recently and I think that we'll start to see some of those players blood in I wouldn't be surprised if some of the older players drift into the background and I think that maybe a slight difference in between the sort of the transitions in England and Spain is that they have a couple of players who sort of who sort of are able to bridge that divide? So like you mm. said, if we if we threw out, throw out. <laughs> if if you lose Lampard, who I expect we would, and as I hoped for for Gerard, you're very quickly looking at a, a very unexperienced team. Whereas I think Spain can lose a few few of those younger players, and we'll still have players in there who will have fifty, sixty. In the case of Sergio Ramos, a hundred odd caps and. It'll be, it'll be more of a sort of a gentle transition. And just just finally, so far, your your biggest shock. Well, um, well, I don't I don't think I don't think if I remember rightly from that preview podcast, we I don't think you thought that Spain going out was necessarily such a big shock. No, I didn't. I I, I thought they'd get through, but by the skin of their teeth. So I I rated Chile. So I said Chile would top the group. But I didn't expect Netherlands to do so well. Um, but then, yeah, neither did I. But then they've come a little bit of a cropper. Um, for me, the shock, I have to hold my hands up. France. I didn't expect them to be any good. Um, but they have been. So I think now they're possibly a danger team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how far they go. I, I, another shock for me as well would be, I'm not that impressed with Brazil or Argentina. I think they're beatable. I think if you get into the last 16, I think they're beatable. I think that's my favourite thing about the World Cup so far is obviously most of the games have been entertaining. 
there's been lots of very good football, lots of goals, but I think every single one of the teams that were considered a pre-tournament favourite or a team with a chance of showing themselves as being fallible in one way or another. Yeah, and, and there's no mugs in this tournament. I think it's completely open. I think it is. I think if ever there's going to be a shock, it's going to be in this World Cup. I think if you get into that last 16, and okay, you could do with a decent draw, but if you do, then fill your boots. I think you could really go far in this competition. And, you know, we said that at the end of the last World Cup, Brazil, uh, sorry, Belgium were 500 to 1 to win this tournament. You know what I mean? It's, it's, if you can get through, get a nice draw, hey, who knows what can happen. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> just, just before we go, I just want uh, to give a special mention to one of my favourite things of the World Cup so far, and that was the Brazilian national anthem in that first game. Unfortunately, I missed our first World Cup podcast. I wasn't able to bring it up then. But already when you had that excitement for the World Cup just about to kick off and then the Brazilians singing out from with that so loud, so much passion and then also rock out an a cappella for second verse. Yep, stand out. Stand out, isn't it? Absolutely right. So <clears throat> I think that we're all looking forward to, to what's to come now. We've only got We've only got more exciting football to come. It's... It's basically knockout football now. Yeah, and all, always remember as well that us guys on Man of the Post, we're making predictions for each of the games. So get on board, get involved. Let us know your predictions. We'll be tweeting that from the at Man of the Post account. Yeah, so, I think we're going to... I think I'm gonna, we'll have to have a word with Russ, but I think we're going to try and put together some sort of perhaps competition for the knockout stages. Um, we haven't quite worked out how that, that's gonna go yet but what soon as we do you'll see that in sort of all the the usual formats and i'm running a competition to give away exclusive man on the post fridge magnets for the first goal scorer in each of the england games so far we've had no winners so you've got one last chance because this is england's last game <laughs> so <laughs> so so remember to tweet us. I'll be sending out a tweet to remind everybody, but remember to tweet us who you think will be the first goal scorer in the England versus Costa Rica game. Right, fantastic. Um, thanks, like Colin. I've had a great time. Me too. Um, I hope you all, you all enjoyed listening to that, and I hope you enjoy the rest of um, the football that we've got to come. I'm not sure when our next podcast will be. I'm sure we'll be looking to, to bring one out probably halfway-ish through well, we get through these games pretty quickly now, don't we? So it'll probably be after the second round of group games because we've we're moving to four a day, and I'm so glad the eleven o'clock games are gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more to get through. Um, right, this has been great. Um, thanks for thanks for being on, Colin. Thank you, and uh, goodbye, everybody. And um, yeah, I've this is I've been Adam, and um, always remember to have your man on the post. Oh!